It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Have we heard the last from former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz after today's announcement? Now we talk with Representatives Bill Jenkins, Skylar Rood from the 16th Legislative District to get their thoughts on this year's session. And it's becoming increasingly apparent our culture's relying more, not less, on extremes. But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Welcome to the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KOA on a warm Wednesday afternoon, 547-1610. If you'd like to get involved via phone, email 610KONA.com and on Twitter at Bottom Line 610. Rob Francis at Dawson with you. And, uh, you know, Recently, Ed, a an article uh, came out, was written on the heels of uh, the most recent mass shooting that happened in Virginia, and it noted that seemingly more often than not, uh, over the last year or two, the media has been withholding the names of the individuals responsible for the shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, speculation is that by refusing to acknowledge the individual, you are denying them the fame they are seeking for committing the act. On the other side, the argument is, does it really matter because the people that are committing these crimes are relatively unknown in the first place? And while there may be some that are seeking fame and fortune, most of the people that commit these crimes are have reached their the end of their rope, so to say, and it's one last opportunity or one attempt for them to lash out and let society know how they feel about something in particular by committing this crime. Now, I've tended to notice that when the individual that commits the crime that fits a certain profile, it does get announced. And when an individual that commits a crime that also fits a certain profile, it doesn't get announced. (laughs) Um, Because, look, the narrative is controlled by the news organization. Um, If a major news outlet decides as a whole they are not going to release an individual's name, they control the ability to do that. Um, If another news outlet decides to release the name, they decide to do that. But once one releases the name, more often than not, you see the rest fall in line because, well, okay, it's out there. We may as well just just acknowledge it. Um, But it seemed more and more, in fact, particularly the last couple, that the names of the individuals have not been released. Now, in the case of the school shooting, uh, it was because one was a minor. And so their name was not released. In the most recent case, he was an adult. He was a person of color. And he prescribed to a particular religion. And they didn't release his name. 
we go back to the Las Vegas shooting, and as soon as they got his name, they released his name. And so if you're looking to try and find some type of a pattern, you're not going to necessarily. But if you're attempting to control the narrative, the easiest way to do it is to not identify the shooter or the person committing the crime, whatever type of crime that may be. Is it a positive step to not give the glory, or does it make a difference one way or the other? This article uh, came from the Pointer Institute, and they they do a lot of analysis, a lot of analysis in, in American media. And I found it interesting from the media standpoint. Um, the author of the article online uh, pointed to a uh, 2012 column in the magazine Psychology Today as to where this all started. You know, when, when did it start? A lot of people think that it started with Columbine because that was the... That was the first one of national acclaim. But those of us in this region remember, well, no, hold on. Those of us in this region remember three years prior to Columbine, and that was the case in Moses Lake, um, Frontier High School, 1993, where a student killed a teacher and two other students. And at that time, and I think the article does an interesting job, an interesting perspective. At the time, uh, the media, which mostly was Washington State and Northwest, it didn't it didn't really generate the national headlines until later because, you know, news trickled out of the Northwest a lot slower than it does today uh, in the early 90s. The thought was, this is such an unusual situation. You have a student, and a middle school student at that, bringing a gun into school, shooting and killing a teacher and two classmates. And at the time, the media covering that event was trying to help their readers, viewers, and listeners understand why, you know, and to do that, they went all out in trying to dive into the head of this shooter. You know, what was the background, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So they went really over the top, if you will, in investigating the shooter, why this happened. And then came Columbine, and that really, uh, you know, took things to the next level. But over time, we have definitely switched to wanting to know less about the shooter and the motives, and more about the victims uh, of the of the shootings. And again, whether that's good, bad, and different, I don't know. But there's definitely been a shift to the point now where even some media outlets are, like you said, starting to not name the shooter at all, uh, unless it fits a narrative, and some are just not doing it, period, because 
a lot of the the backlash, a lot of the feedback that media was getting was just that. Why are you giving this this person the attention that he deserves by naming him and you know becoming uh, you know among some sick circles a hero, you know, a, a celebrity, giving that person celebrity status. Why are you doing that? And so now we're reaching to this point. So we've come in 25 years, roughly, a complete pendulum swing to the other side. The, the first one that I remember <clears throat> was the McDonald's shooting in 1984 in California. That was the first big one that I remember. And I remember that the news media reported his name, but at the time, the news media reported his name as part of the fact process. Mm-hmm. This is the name of the individual, so on and so forth. Now, right, the nuts a, and bolts of the case, right. right? We didn't have a 24-hour news cycle at the time. It was just simply a report. But as time went on and the 24-hour news cycle began, we began to see increasingly more mass crimes being committed with some of the shooters acknowledging they wanted their 15 minutes of fame, or some of the perpetrators committing they wanted their 15 minutes of fame, and they were getting it. You're up at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys, it's Ryan from Richland. What's up, Ryan? I'm wondering, I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you think it's the sign of the times? And also, um, I think even before Moses Lake, locally, remember uh, Mr. Bob Mars got killed out in the Benton City School District. Well, that was way after. That was way, that way, was way after. after. Like in the 80s. Oh, my bad. No, 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 no. That, yeah, was, that no, was like Bob, 2000, that was, 2001, something. No, it was later than that. Later than that, yeah, even. It was like yeah. 2004 or five. Okay. I think. But that was not a. But that also wasn't a mass crime. No, that was that was no, no. One, that was that was, that was not even. No, that was. I don't want to say an an accidental shooting. I mean, in that case, some thugs broke into the school. He tried to stop them, and they shot him right. and killed him. It wasn't. It wasn't a student bringing a gun to school with the intent of shooting up the place. Right. That that's. Yeah, different uh, different scenario. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Susan and Kennewick. Hi, Susan. What's on your mind? Well, you know, they had a mass shooting. God, I don't know how many years ago, and I'm driving. I can't look it up, but I believe it was in Springfield, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And the boy was like 15, 16 years old, and he went into school and shot up a bunch of people. Yeah, in fact, yeah. There's there's been there's been a lot. Well, in fact, if I remember correctly, that was after Columbine. Didn't he just get his sentence reduced? I or think he's so. Hearing the, or or his hearing is coming up. Yeah, um, to have his sentence reduced because mm-hmm. he got somewhere around a hundred years. Yes. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> yeah, he did. Um, yeah, I. You know, unfortunately, there's there's so many to count, um, and. Well, let's let's take a break. We'll give you a chance to, to get on the phone with us. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. The question that we're asking is, how do you feel when the shooter's name is released, uh, whether it's by the police in a live interview situation or by the media. How do you how do you feel about that? 547-1610. Speak your pace. Call 509 509- 
547-1610. More of the bottom line on News Radio 610. KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA 547-1610-509-547-1610 at Dawson Rob Francis on this Wednesday afternoon talking about a uh, an article that came out uh, from Pointer uh, saying that the trend among among media now is to hold off or not even name the shooter in shootings and it's we've come a long way where i think the backlash was such that people were complaining you know why are we giving this person his 15 minutes of fame and the media is starting to respond now i have a bone to pick with the term mass shooting Uh, it makes me want to cringe every time you know, because now it's so widely accepted that any, you know, any shooting incident where there's two or more people involved is a mass shooting now, a mass public shooting, which is, I mean, to me, mass is short for massive. And yes, every life is important. But to me, mass shooting is like a lot of people yeah. are shot. A lot of people died. And now that term is just thrown around uh Whatever, but that's that's a subject for another day. I'll I'll go off completely on that on another time. But I found it interesting that uh, you know the evolution, I guess, of media covering these events. Unfortunately, they have become uh, more commonplace today than they were back in the '90s when you had you know Frontier High School in Moses Lake. Columbine a few years after that. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, this is Chuck from West Richmond. Hi, hey, Chuck. Chuck. Hey, so I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't read the article, so and I'm driving, so I can't resource it. I'm not sure when they think this phenomena started that they stopped talking about the name. I mean, even as most recently as the Queensgate shooting, or Queens, I'm sorry, Queensland shooting, not Queensgate, so we're clear. Um, they were they were all over the place on on the shooter there, and that was in New Zealand, and it was our press. It seems like the only time they've stopped talking about it is when it really doesn't fit the narrative. And for example, this most recent Virginia Beach shooting, where the shooter was an African American male in his 40s with an engineering degree, so it certainly didn't fit their anti-gun narrative. Um, and I really think it's part of the the political correctness too of the media. And you guys will have to excuse me on that, but even in your own reporting, and not you guys specifically, but on your network, um, when we start talking about the crime, the local crime here in the community, the police are looking for a male subject. Well, that's not really a descriptor, not even a height and weight, just a male. We don't have a name when the police report has a name. We don't have a gender. I'm sorry, we don't have a race. I mean, it's gone to this political correctness thing so much that we don't want to identify anybody that way. And I think this is part of that when it doesn't fit the agenda or it might violate a social norm about, um, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a race or a, um, a gender kind of thing. Appreciate the, call, the Chuck. call, Chuck. And, uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point, uh, and I'm going to 
pull the curtain back a little bit on uh, as far as our news coverage goes. Um, and I want to address that. The reason why we don't uh, name names, uh, because there, well, there's a lot of reasons. Until somebody has been uh, charged with a crime, we don't consider naming a name. Because just because uh, a person, uh, police think they might have done something doesn't mean that they did it. That's number one. And, it, and that's not trying to protect anybody except for, you know, it's just to, to us, it's the right thing to do. Now, if police are looking for somebody and we can help police look for somebody, then, then we'll give a, a, usually a name and a description and, and whatnot. But let me ask Chuck and the audience, if we put more description, even without the name, okay, even if we put more description and Really, we're talking about the race, okay? Does it matter? Does it matter? I mean, if the police aren't looking for somebody and if somebody robs a bank and are, and is arrested a short time later, does it matter if he's white, Hispanic, black, blue, purple? Does it matter? Is it, is it, is it pertinent to the story? Is it pertinent information? I think, unfortunately, what's happened is because of the divide that exists and the narratives that have been written, information like that that normally you wouldn't consider to be important is now more important because we're looking to see if someone is reframing the narrative because of an ideology versus mm-hmm. instead of being straight across the front. That's right. You know, if and- we if we mention, again, back to my bank robber example, what if we report that bank robber Hispanic? Guarantee at least half our audience, well, he's an illegal immigrant. Is that fair? I mean, is that fair to that person? Well, it's it's not, not, No, it's it? not. I mean, to me... I look at it more in this regard, by putting somebody's name out there that has not been convicted of a crime, you're, by announcing that name associated with the crime, you are lending people, you are you may be leading people to believe that individual committed a wrongdoing, whether they did or, or they did not. And I will, I will go to the example of a former Pasco City councilman who was accused of a particular crime later was acquitted of all the charges, but his name was damaged so badly that it ended his political career. He didn't do it, but his name was everywhere. And so, to me, that's the balance that you have to walk when you're talking about naming individuals, is you may not be guilty of something, but just the fact that your name was associated with it can be enough to do real damage to your reputation. Some of us in the media understand the the important uh, duty that we have and responsibility, maybe is a better word, the awesome responsibility, because we can sway public opinion yep, by the absolutely. way we write things. And that is why we, at least at this station are careful about how we frame things and word things. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a couple gentlemen who attempt to sway legislation. 
<laughs> you're 16, and they're, and they're pretty good at it. Yeah, your 16th legislative representatives, Bill Jenkins and Skylar Rood, coming up after this. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. Bottom line news radio 610 KONA on this Wednesday afternoon. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, and a couple of special guests in the studio today, Rob. 16th legislative representatives, Bill Jenkins and Skylar Rude, joining us on the program. And uh, both of you gentlemen look a little more relaxed than the last time we saw you. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it, it was a tough session to say the least. Um, Skylar, let's start with you. Sure. What was the, and then you're just, you're finishing your first session. So for you, what was the biggest takeaway as a freshman um, coming out of your experience in Olympia? Uh, I would say the 2019 session was not friendly to taxpayers. That's my takeaway. (laughs) You know, we saw, um, uh, in my opinion, we had no need for tax increases. And we saw a B&O increase, a real estate excise tax increase, lost tax exemption for out-of-state purchasers. Um, a pay a new payroll tax of 0.58 percent for long term care. So yeah, it, it was it was not um, not a pleasant time. Representative Jenkins, finishing your second term. What what you know? Obviously, gaining a little more experience. Uh, you know, you were in Skyler's chair two years ago, coming off your first session. Now that you've had another couple of years in, what did you take away from your second session? And it does make a difference, I'll tell you, because because. Um, my first session, we at least had a 50 to 48 number, and we also had the Senate. So it was a whole different dynamic. Um, we were able to, to pass good policy, and we were able to stop bad policy. Our, going into this session, what our goal was was to stop bad policy. Um, that may have happened as far as capital gains. There was a few other instances, but by and large, um, it wasn't a good session as far as like Skyler was just saying with the with the taxes and everything else involved. We we worked hard. We fought hard. Sometimes when you're on the floor and you're debating, you realize that you're not debating to try to try to try to get the other side to vote our way. We're debating to let everybody in the state of Washington know what's being voted on by the other side and and inevitably being passed. So we're hoping and that 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 our discussions and our debates di- didn't fall on deaf ears. We're talking with 16th Legislative District Representatives Bill Jenkins and Scholar Rood here on the bottom line. Uh, congratulations, because both of you did get some legislation passed uh, in this session. And so, Scholar, as a freshman, I'm sure that's uh, felt like a pretty cool accomplishment right off the bat to get some legislation through. Yeah, my actually, the I didn't have any bills, but I had a resolution. Um, that is really important to me. Um, it's uh, concerning remote testimony options. Currently, the Senate um, does offer that option at uh, a few sites uh, across the state. Um, so uh, the resolution that I worked on, I, I teamed up with a, a Democrat colleague and got about half of the, the House members on board with it um, as, as co-sponsors, and then it sailed on through. So we'll have a work group um, that will report back this October on recommendations on how we can implement remote testimony in our committees so that people in eastern Washington can video in and provide input. Will it target the same sites that the Senate is currently using? 
Uh, we haven't we haven't gotten that far. The the work group has um, not met yet, but um, I just got a notice uh, last week that um, the members have been selected. Okay, and Representative Jenkins, you had a couple of bills, four I believe, uh, yeah. that wound up getting the governor's signature. It you know it it um, it was a successful session as far as personal things were concerned, but it's about the district. And, and yes, I, I was able to get four bills through and really worked real hard on the 5th to get that through with my, with my seatmate from the Senate, Maureen Walsh, um, for the Walla Walla watershed. But the other four, um, I wrote seven total, and five of them made it, made it to the finish line, so I was very happy with that. And I really think that a lot of that has to do with experience gained. You don't always have to agree with, with the other side, but you have to work with the other side, and you have to and you have to build relationships. And I think it really had a lot to do with the relationships. Um, the bill on the on the tow truck drivers, emergency flashers. You know, you've got to pull over or whatever. That can save lives. So feel very good about that. The bill the 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 bill about uninsured motorcyclists. I never thought I'd run a bill like that because I hate regulation. But it's common sense. It's common sense. After I had two constituents call me about being being damaged economically by by uninsured motorcyclists and then the third one to do with the wine industry and i've been a proponent of the wine institute and they bring bills to me and this one was a good one and getting getting people trained in the wine business which is important and then finally the final bill was uh that passed was was the pasco the pasco aquatic center and i know that man that 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 could cause some headaches around town to some people um, it was a priority with the city of Pasco. That's why I took it on, and I was uh, had ran the same bill a couple of years ago unsuccessfully. This time it passed, so we'll see what the voters of Pasco and inevitably what that bill did. It um, it, it the, the people of of, of the Tri Cities, the the public facility district, were weary of the bill because it sort of stepped on 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 the purview of of that, but the only way that this is ever going to get passed would be uh, as a PASCO standalone, and that's and it's up to them to get it passed. It's up to the taxpayers to, to, to vote for it. So I don't feel like I created the tax. I may have enabled a potential tax, but those were four bills that I that worked very hard on during the session. We're talking with the representatives of Bill Jenkin and Skylar Root from the 16th Legislative District here on the bottom line. To both of you... Uh, and, and I'll ask I'll, I'll ask you first, Representative Jenkins, the balance. Obviously, you when you're elected, you come in with some thoughts about what you'd like to do and, you know, especially for your district and, and whatnot. But as you pointed out, sometimes the bills are generated by the public. How do you know and how do you balance things that are in your mind that you'd like to see accomplished versus what the constituents would like to see accomplished. And, and that's a great question, Ed. Um, and and there, it is a balance because, like I said, I don't like re- – I'm very conservative. I don't like taxes. I don't like regulations. But two of my bills sort of could be in that mode. And you really have to sometimes – you have to represent the district and not yourself. And, and you have to be a, a cognizant of what the district's needs are. And in both of these cases, I really think think it fit to what the district's needs were. And it is always you always don't don't want to feel like you're the know-it-all. You're the one that's going to make all the decisions for these hundreds of thousands of people. Um, 
it, you do have to rely on what you have, but if you, if you just keep with your core values, um, like property rights is another one of mine. So that comes into play a lot on the, on the things that we vote on. So there are a lot of personal, personal issues that I'm not going to cross, but, but you do have to, you have to vote the district. And Representative Rude, the, along that same line, uh, there might be a case where some constituents come to you with an idea that doesn't necessarily fit what you're about, and you don't want to blow that person off uh, because they are a constituent. Again, it's that balancing act, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, there are typically areas of common ground to be found if we look for them. Uh, so if there's a particular issue that a constituent brings forward, um, first, I would I would ask myself, is this something that's good for the district? Um, does it does it represent the people of the district well? Because that's what we exist for is we're I mean, that's in our title. We're representatives. We're supposed to be there um, representing the people of the state and our district to the best of our ability. Um, so I would say um, kind of going back to your original question, uh, most I would say all bills um, ultimately, maybe in a roundabout way, would originate with our constituents. Let's take a quick time out. We'll come back with more with our representatives from the 16th Legislative District, encompassing Benton, Franklin, and Walla Walla counties, portions of the first two. Representative Skylar Rood, Representative Bill Jenkin. We'll look ahead to the short session coming in 2020. Now the budget lifting has been done. We'll discuss with the representatives what they are working on for the coming session. More of the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. After this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610KONA.com. Back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meets in Basin City. The bottom line is Radio 610-KONA. Robin Ed here, Wednesday afternoon, joined by our representatives from the 16th Legislative District, Skylar Rood and Bill Jenkin. And, of course, uh, it was a rough session. We know that 2019 is behind us. We'll see what the ramifications are going to be. Uh, but one of the things uh, directly related to both of you gentlemen that happened yesterday was the state Supreme Court uh, heard the arguments regarding the Public Records Act. And um, we know in 2018, uh, a bill was attempted to, or a bill was passed and vetoed by the governor attempting to address the issue. Nothing really in 2019. The only bill uh, put forward by Senator Peterson was pulled before it got to committee. Um, is it a wait and see for the legislature based on, on what the state Supreme Court rules? Or is there some discussion about trying to tackle it legislatively in the coming session? Representative Rood, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, great question. Um, I think it is a situation of waiting to see what the, the court opinion is going to be. Um, this session, we didn't see any discussion about um, public records. Um, I, I would consider myself an advocate for transparent government. Um, so depending on what the, the court says, um, I suspect there will be some kind of legislation after the court opinion um, to determine kind of how to how to implement that and what what kind of legislation or policy would be legal? Representative Jenkins. Yeah, and I'll tell you this one. This one, there was some very passionate newspapers and and news media after after that last vote and after what happened when the governor governor did veto it and now it's back to the Supreme Court. 
I'm, I'm a true believer, a big believer in transparency. We need to be transparent. And of course, one of the big issues is when a client, when a, when a constituent comes to us and the, the privacy of keeping that conversation uh, amongst ourselves rather than getting it out in the open because of uh, what, 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 that, what the particular issue is. You know, there's some very personal issues that, that come up. So that was one of the one one of the issues, and the other issue uh, back then was was who's going to handle those complaints? Will it be our office only? Because that that's the way that it was set up was our office was going. We're going to be an independent contractor type thing, and we would have to answer that. And would we need to hire more people to do that? So I'm I'm anxiously awaiting a final a final decision on that to see what happens, and whatever happens, we have to adhere to it. And, and and that's the way I feel on it. We're talking with 16 district legislative representatives, Skylar Root and Bill Jenkins here on the bottom line. As much as I know you guys are just coming off of the last session and finally breathing at a normal pace again, uh, we're going to ask you about the next session. I know it's only, what, six months away, uh, but aside from... The, the the possible legislation when the Supreme Court decision comes back on that issue, being a quote-unquote off-year, no budget to worry about, where do you see things going in the, in the shorter session? Uh, you know, obviously fewer bills will be on the table, but are there going to be some important ones uh, coming off of the budget year? We'll start with you, Representative Rube. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting process because um, we operate in a two-year cycle. Um, any bill that was introduced um, this last year um, will still be alive um, for the next session. So um, there are um, bills that people were working on um, that they'll probably continue to pursue because they didn't make it through this last session. Um, there's some issues that I'm working on. Um, one, it didn't take the form of a bill. Um, but uh, a study on regionalizing minimum wage is something that I'm very interested in. Um, I think it's really important. Um, when we're passing laws at a state level, um, it's really easy to create policies that work in certain parts of the state and don't work in other parts of the state, but we apply them equally all over the state. So kind of looking at Oregon's approach. Right. Um, and, I, and, and the reason why I would want it to be a study is because that's a really big policy change. And it's important that we do it right if we're going to do it. So um, the Employment Securities Department would likely be conducting the study. Um, but that's something that I've worked with uh, a Democrat colleague um, on this last session, and we'll continue to do that and hopefully get something um, ready to go. The last off year came following the, the big McCleary funding, and then that session, there were a handful of tweaks to McCleary. Representative Jenkins, do you feel like there might be some tweaking bills coming up in January from this last session. Like McClary 2.0. <laughs> um, it, it, we didn't fix McClary. We, we didn't fix that. There's still work that has to be done, and it's not throwing money at it. It's, it's, it's revamping the way that it is. I, I'm, uh, I wasn't involved in that discussion. I'm not on education, but again, Republicans weren't involved on a lot of the decisions that were made. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can work on that. Um, there won't be an election between now and then, but I sure hope next time around that that we get a few more seats so that that it, the numbers won't be the way that they are. But, but um, remember that on a short session, you have to have your bill ready to go, and you have to pre-drop it. And I, I am working on some. I I know 
needle exchange has been a big thing around here, and I'm working with a few people in the local area on on trying to to combat that and some of the other things, uh, the injection sites and all the other things that are involved with it, although we know that there's an opiate problem and we need to address it. But we can't address it in the middle of a of, of a business neighborhood that 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 uh, like what was going to happen in in Kennewick here last year. So there has to be a right way of doing it. And any time that you change, one thing that I've learned is that any time that 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 you try to make a change, the change has to be a small change. That you won't be able to get support bipartisan support by making a wide sweeping change unless you're the other party. But with our party, the only way that we can be effective is to make little incremental changes, and I'm hoping that, that that's, that's what we can do as far as some of those issues. We're talking with 16th Legislative District Representatives Skylar Root and Bill Jenkins here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KUNA. Um, if there's one thing that both of you would like to let your constituents know um, about not just this past session about, but looking forward, uh, what would you like to say to them in the last couple minutes we've, we've got? Representative Rude? Um, I, I guess I would just say that we are here for you. We were chosen um, to represent you by, by you. Um, so uh, feel free to reach out, and um, if, you, if you see a problem with state government, um, you, you feel like there's room for more efficiency or improvement, uh, please let us know. That's what we're here for. Um, my website is representativeskylarrood.com. You can contact me by email there or phone call um, to my office. Um, but I definitely want to hear from you. This is, um, like we talked about earlier, that's kind of where bills originate. Um, so please reach out. Representative Jenkins? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody. Um, you know, you're the one that put both of us here, and we we certainly appreciate it. And we're working hard for you, um, and we'll continue to do that. But we need to hear from you on what, what some of your needs are. So with that being said, my district phone number will be here in Pasco. We're at the, the Pasco, the Port of Pasco, and it's 509-545-2210. So please contact the office if you have any questions. During the off session... That's what we're doing. We're learning about the district, and we'll continue doing that with your help. Thank you. You know, one thing I think, and and I don't want to speak for either of you gentlemen, but I think it's also a fair point to point out that it doesn't matter what the letter after your name is. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what ideology you prescribe to. You're their representative as well. So if they have concerns to reach out to you gentlemen, regardless of what your party affiliation is or what you are ideologically, you're the representative for the 16th Legislative District. So be you Republican, Absolutely. Democrat, or Independent, and you have a question for your lawmaker or you have an issue you want to raise or potentially a, an idea for legislation, reach out to your lawmakers. That is what they are there for. Absolutely. So take the time. Write the email. Make the phone call. Uh, effective government only works when people get involved and talk to their legislator. That's how they know what your issues and concerns are. We appreciate uh, both uh, Representative Bill Jenkins, Skylar Rood, for uh, joining us uh, this afternoon and uh, try to get a little bit more rest before you start putting bills together. Jeez, take a break once in a while. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is on the way, and we'll we'll dive into a presidential uh, candidacy that is or isn't. Not really sure. We'll talk about that and much more. This is the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA, the area's only live local call-in talk show after this.